on this episode of South Cat Syndicate Podcast, we're with Megan McPhail Ketterman right here, talking cattle, blockchain technology, and the use thereof in her industry, and beef processing. So if you're into that kind of thing, stay tuned. Hey, this is Liz, and you're listening to the South Cat Syndicate Podcast. Welcome. Episode 22, South Cat Syndicate Podcast. My name is Jared. Kyle Voss. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is our first podcast of 2023. Thank you for joining us. We're a little bit behind schedule. We, uh, well, we, what, sick and yeah, weather? Holidays and then bad weather came through. And yeah, the weather matters because we have a metal roof. You'd hear it raining. But you wouldn't hear us. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was coming in today. What are you listening to right now, music wise? I mean, I, Whiskey Myers, Blackberry Smoke. Yeah. I mean, I listen to everything, really, but if I'm, like, in the shop and I, I'm actually picking what I'm listening to, that's the kind of stuff I listen to. You make your own playlist of, like, shop music. I probably should. I don't. I just tell Alexa to play. play. The thing about, like, Whiskey Myers and Blackberry Smoke, for me, is that the entire album is listenable. And so I don't have to do mm-hmm. a playlist. I can just say, play that artist, and then I love everything that they, they've got, right? I mean, I guess I could have a playlist and have her play those, but I'm lazy. Interesting. I'm in a Bob Seger right now for oh, yeah? some reason. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with some Bob Seger. So. I've, I've just been back to back some Seger. Matter of fact, now that you said that, I might have to go home and some Bob Bob Seger it up great, a little bit. Great stuff. See, I could do that too. Like, I could get into like Eric Clapton and then just Eric Clapton for, you know, an hour. But I don't ever think about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like it never crossed my mind. I just have a go-to. You're a Clapton guy? I mean, I just... Something about like the acoustic guitar sure. and the, you know, I have to be in the mood. Understood. And that's everything yeah. when it comes to music. It's like all mood based. Of course. But you need to get pumped for something. It's not Eric Clapton. It is not Eric Clapton. No. It's not Bob Seger either. Yeah. <laughs> it's going back to DMX. Well, <laughs> or some, yeah, maybe. You know, hustle playlist, some crazy stuff. Yeah. So I was looking through some articles this morning and there's an article that popped up. Message in a bottle travels from Canada to Ireland in 18 months. A message in a bottle tossed up into the ocean off the coast of Nova Scotia turned up on an Ireland beach 18 months later. That's crazy. Like, I don't even know how that works, but what's the chances of that? Um, you put, what if you put an Apple AirTag in the bottle? Yeah. Probably end up, well, you talking about yeah. you could see where it stopped? Well, yeah, because yeah, you yeah. wouldn't collect any data from the time you threw it in to it got out of Bluetooth range, and then it wouldn't pick up anything. How does that work? Does that work on other people's phones? I think it does. I think AirTags work on the Bluetooth piece. It just picks up on somebody's mm-hmm. phone and sends that signal off. That's right. Huh. Because I got one for Smurf, my dog, and yeah. put it on her collar, and she took off through the mountains. And as soon as she got out of range of the house, there was no, like, I lost, I lost. No data. That's right. So it's strange, but it'd be cool to see, like, or a balloon or something. Yeah. You know, we, in, you know, we don't want to get too, way too far off what we're going to get into on this podcast, but we went to uh, Dollywood right after um, the new year. And they have that Titanic museum up there. Titan- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Titanic. <laughs> Not Titanic. Tatanka. <laughs> So the Titanic Museum up there, and I'm kind of, a, I love like stuff like that. And so we went, and you know what I didn't realize is that the Titanic sank about, well, I don't know how many miles it is, but it's basically just right off the coast of New York. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it'd be like up in the no, Arctic, Arctic yeah. Circle, you know, I don't know. I was thinking yeah. iceberg, like what the hell, but no, nah, it's just, it's not far off the coast of New York. It, this, the, you know, I guess the, what is that, Green Greenland? kind of peaks down in there yeah. and some of those icebergs were kind of floating off yeah. of that. Uh, you know, so it's not near as north as you would think it would have been. I heard some crazy conspiracy theories about the Titanic, like it was a setup. Well, there was a twin boat called the, the sister, yeah. Olympia. Yeah. It looked exactly like it. Yeah. They built them at the exact same time. Um, and it survived. One of the theories was it was an insurance job yeah. to help Fun transit, whatever the name of the company yeah. was. Well, also I've also heard a bunch of the competitors of somebody. Well, you had all the richest men in in, in the world on, on that the, boat on one vessel. Yep. What better way to, you know? The only reason I number. The only reason I don't necessarily believe all that is because how hard would it be to purposely hit an iceberg and make sure that you hit it good enough where the boat sank? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it'd be hard to set up. I love a good conspiracy theory. I guess you'd try it. Yeah. I mean, I, I do when they have legs. <laughs> yeah. You know, if they don't it's have not legs. not just like whatever. Yeah. Uh, aliens did not build the pyramid, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. But even that, it's a lot of things to think about. We ought to do conspiracy day. Ooh, that would be fun. That would be fun. So today we're bringing in somebody we had on um, last year, and her name is Megan McPhail Ketterman. Welcome to the podcast, Megan. Welcome back, Megan. Mm. Am I the first repeat guest? You're the first guest of 2023. Oh, the first oh, that's guest right. of 2023. That's right. So Megan has a, a plethora of subject matters she could talk to or talk about, but today we're going to talk about the cattle what, business. What did we talk about last time you were on? Airbnbs, Poli- um, politics, school politics, school board. That's uh, right. A little bit of cattle, a little yeah. bit of a little bit of everything. For I think we talked about you coming back for cattle. Yeah, yeah. Because I told, I she told said she was going to cook steak. I wasn't going to let Greg Kutu That's out, right. outdo me, but Jared um, threw this at me last minute about doing cattle stuff, and I, I can't prepare steaks for y'all to do a taste testing today. Gotcha. So. We'll just get a, we'll take a rain check on that. Yeah. Okay. So, Takina Angus is the family farm. I'm going to let Megan tell the story about that. But why, we're, why we chose to do the cattle part today is they're doing their 29th bull and female sale uh, about 20 days from now. No, two weeks. That, two weeks from now. Yeah. So, it's an annual thing. So, 29 years of selling cattle. Yeah. Right? Probably more than that. Yeah. Under a different name. But when Takina Angus was established, this is the 29th year for Neil and Gwen to sell their bull and females. So we're going to get into what that looks like, the logistics of raising your own cattle, the logistics of putting on the sale. There's a lot. I mean, you heard to say it takes a village to do, you know, a lot of things, and it yep. truly, truly takes a village. So the one, the one thing I would love to kind of preface this whole podcast on is the fact that uh, the cattle business is probably way bigger than most people realize mm. in all aspects, not just oh, the for sure. Right, not just the breeding side, but the or not just the meat side, but there's a breeding side to it. There's a you know lineage, creating lineage and selling lineage, mm-hmm. and you know all. I mean, it's just it's a big deal. We'll get into that. Cool. We'll that. I'm excited. So, Megan, start us off with uh, how Takina Angus started and who you know who all was involved there. So, I mean, gosh, I don't know where to start. Um, we are a fourth generation. Um, cattle farm. So been in my family since early 1900s when my great-grandfather bought the land and, um, you know, established the farm then. And then my grandfather um, in 1936 actually started our registered Angus cattle herd um, known as the Takina Angus cattle herd. And back back then the Aberdeen Scotland Angus breed was very prevalent and they were bringing them over from Scotland and and Europe because of their um, meat meat quality genetics right and just really good genetics as far as raising them on forage and um, and ease of of the you know the quality of the animal in the south you know probably very, resistance to disease too I'd guess and well I mean there's there no, I, in fact, there was a lot of a lot of disease outbreaks back in you know the early '40s and '50s, and they actually had to to kind exterminate of re- exterminate the whole herds. Right. You know, brucellosis came through a lot of different things that killed off, I mean, millions of cattle. So you know, they they've certainly overcome a lot of things in in the health herd man, herd health management aspect, but. I mean, yeah, it's been in our family for generations, and um, my dad was the youngest of seven children, okay. and he was the youngest by 11 years from the next youngest, right. so he was, my, my granddad was 56. He's truly when, the baby. He was the baby. My yeah. granddad was 56 when they had him, so he was, he was wow. raised kind of like with a grandfather figure rather than a father figure, but... You know, the farm was always run by um, the family brothers. You know, we had um, Floyd, and we had Steve, we had Walter, and then my dad was the youngest brother. And so Floyd and Steve, no, excuse me, Floyd and Walter were really the the true instrumental ones back in the, you know, 60s and 70s just because they were older. And um, Floyd always did a lot of row cropping, uh, broiler chicken houses, 
And then uh, Walt did a lot of the cattle aspects and building the herd and um, kind of partnering together with Floyd in, in making the whole operation run. And then in the, I guess, early 80s, when my dad and mom got married, uh, they, they ended up taking over the Takina Angus part of Takina Farms and uh, continuing the legacy genetics that were started by my grandfather. Right. So now when it comes to genetics, what's their priority to like improve, to actively improve that genetic or to just maintain what's already established so or it's, both, I it's guess. Really, yes. It's really weird because the Angus Association, they have been really one of the leaders in the industry in maintaining data for their genetics Tracking things like, um, you know, diseases and um, birth defects and things that have been line-bred into, I mean, you look at anything, anything that's line-bred for so long, you're going to start to have problems, problems with, yeah. you know, dogs, humans. That's, that's why it's, it's really not good to line-breed that often. Right. Um, and so the Angus Association was really, really the industry leader when it came to genetic testing and, and figuring out what what genetics they re- really want to capture. But right now we focus a lot on, you know, the, the moms um, and, and the sires, uh, the dam and the sires' um, maternal milk qualities, their ability to raise a calf, and then the sires' ability to, um, you know, have good calving data. You don't want a, a you know, 100-pound calf coming out of a, a first-time virgin heifer because right. you're probably going to kill her. And and so there's a lot of things that go into the science behind the cattle industry on our level. You know, we're we're a large seed stock producer, and and we want to pass our genetics on to you know smaller commercial cattlemen and and give them the best quality genetics for their herd. So let me ask you: when somebody comes to buy, say they want a Takina Angus cow heifer, what I mean, a a cow or a bull or whatever. What are they, is it, is everybody looking for something different? Yeah, yeah, they, they are because their herd is completely different. Their program might be completely different than ours. But what the majority of people, especially in the Southeast and, and really just in the cattle industry, you're looking for pounds. You know, they're, yeah. they, they are there to make a profit. So if a, if a bull can pass on genetics for growth, average daily gain and help his calves get to a better weight and a final weight at process when that calf's ready to be processed, then that's a goal. If you're looking to grow your females and, and grow your herd with females, then you want to, you want to have, you know, productive females are going to have a calf every 365 days and, um, and healthy and, and healthy easy. and raise them and milk you know good milk quality. Right. I mean we've got some cows that you know they're they are not maternal and um and those you know go to beef because they can't raise a calf. Do you know the statistics locally like on you know I've got a I've got a neighbor that has probably 100 100 his herd's probably 100 cows or whatever. How many people locally have some form of Tequina Angus? within their herds or are they, is it separate? I, I don't think that many people around Oconee County, you know, there's, there's probably a few locally that have come and bought heifers or bought bulls from us, but we really have focused on the Southeast, you know, Georgia, Florida, um, North Carolina. Yeah. We, you know, we'll ship cattle anywhere in the U S so probably in Oconee County, not that many. Not that many. Yeah. So now, okay, so let's get back. It seems like a lot, though, because how many people do you average at your annual sale? I don't know, 200, 250. And then there's, you know, everybody online that watches online. Yeah, and you you don't even have to be at the sale, right? Mm -hmm. Keen Angus coming up in the world, so you can go to uh, liveauctions.tv and watch the sale live and bid right there. And we have a designated person, and all she does is take in books or bids from uh, people that are not in the sale. So we can attribute... You know, a small percentage of those yeah. go online, but most of those guys that are at the sale, eighty percent of them are all Oconee County, County guys. Now, no, no, we've got a lot of Georgia, you 80%. know, East Denali. We do have some. But so, is everything that goes through the sale 
only from y'all or can somebody bring something? No. So they have to be, I mean, the predominant program that we run is it, they are our cattle. You know, they were born and raised, you know, this past um, season, you know, they're ready to go and be productive on another farm. And we've done everything that we can do to, to make sure that that, that, cow or bull is going to be productive, you know, for the, the owner that buys them. But what we have done is start a consigner buyback program. So let's say you come and buy a bull and you put that bull on your heifers and you start getting Takina Angus calves. In June, when those calves start to be weaned, um, we will go out to your farm and look at the, your calf crop and say you've got 20 new calves. And they're ready to be weaned, but you don't want to just take them to the sale barn and get, call it six hundred bucks for them. Right. You know, whatever the 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 low low dollar pay at the sale barn that that week is, because this is a commodity. You know, yeah. we we our pay is based on what everybody else says it should be. So we offer you, Kyle, to buy your calves at a premium, based on we know that they're Takina genetics. We know that you as a herd uh, manager and as a farmer have gone to all the links of tagging, um, keeping track of, of vaccinations, keeping track of, of any kind of issues. They, you, we know your calves are right. going to be good stock. So we buy them back at a premium, giving you a little more money than just the sale barn. Yeah. Put them in the sale. And that's what you see here in the That's catalog. almost like a little arbitrage because you guys are using somebody else's land. To basically well, to raise them, but then we bring them to our farm. Right, that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah, so they're raising them for six months. You're like It's like the they chicken farm. Have, but they don't have to. They don't right, have I, to. I get that. It's just that we're offering, or Neil's offering a buyback program. It's a smart play. That's yeah. right, Yeah, because well, we already know the cattle. Yeah, right? And because we want our commercial cattlemen and our small cattlemen to stay in business. So they're not, they can't stay in business and pay the taxes and pay all, all the stuff, you know, to keep their land and their family without a decent income from their cattle. So our thought is, why don't we offer this special offering and help the cattlemen who who we can consign from with our genetics instead of just letting them go to the, to the sale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you get them back, you guys raise them up a little we more. Raise them, we and then we you, feed them out, raise them up, you know, get them bred. And put them through the sale. They put up, go through another, you know, stringent type of program to make sure that they are are going to be, you know, good breeders, um, you know, they're fertile, all that. And any steers that people have, you know, we help, we might buy them back depending on how many steers we actually have. Right. If you need them or, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I got so many, so many directions I could go from here. I know there's some things you want to touch on. There's a lot, there's a lot in this catalog and, um, I love the touch and feel of this catalog. It's Megan's favorite catalog that they've done. <clears throat> and there's some good stuff in here. It tells a little bit about some of the history of the farm mm-hmm. and uh, Neil and Gwen, some, um, all about the cattle and a lot about what Megan's already spoken about. But uh, how many catalogs did you mail out this year? I think about 900. <laughs> oh, look, I just found a picture of you in here. <laughs> I, I am lot number. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, 29. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's, it's a little uh, it's on a the low, lean side. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so we talked a, a while back about blockchain technology and the use thereof in real in real life. I see that it's <laughs> awful. Um, I mean, I wasn't joking. I actually, yeah. So, can we use blockchain technology to track vaccines, medicines? Well, that's what I was going to get back to. You birth, oh, birth weight, growth weight, average daily gain. Yeah, because today everything is done here. Yeah, that's what I wanted to kind of get back to is like you were talking about, you know, how you track all this stuff. And currently, how is that done? So um, let me just say, my dad, bless him. I love him to death. He is a pen and paper guy. You know, he carries around his little Mm -hmm. his little ledger. And then when he's out in the out in the pasture riding fences in the mornings and checking calves, you know, he pulls out that little ledger and goes to, you know, seven B four and and she's had a calf this morning. It's a heifer and that heifer weighs, well, you know, sixty five pounds. He is so old school, but that's that generation. Let's give people an idea of of because, you know, we us the three of us have kind of an idea of how this works, but when when a when a newborn is 
dropped, you guys assign it some kind of yeah identification identification, and those are tagged in their ears. They are correct? tagged in their ears, and they stay with them their entire life. Well, let's hope you know. Sometimes tags fall right, out, and then right. we're you know left up to hopefully guessing by you know. But um, the idea is that that's how you can identify yeah. those. So, so when you say he's out in the field and he mm-hmm. sees be you know whatever that's what he's talking about is the yeah so he he knows who the mom is i mean dad knows these cattle without even having to look yeah. at the tag I mean, like he knows kids, the, num- the numbers don't come out of neil's head they're very scientific so it's the the, the physical number stands for something the letter stands for something yeah. and it can have two letters or two numbers it's and that's how he knows who the great grandmother of that heifer was so or let's just like that. call yeah. it you know seven let's let's say it's seven b four so seven would be the year that calf was born. So technically, that's a that's a 2017 model. Okay, she would have been born in the fall of 2016. Right. Okay. So we're always a year kind of ahead in our numbering system for for that crop. So seven would have been 2017. B would be the sire. So it could have been you know pay weight. 1682 or, or Stevenson pay weight or, you know, whoever we're using that yeah. year, B is assigned or F or Z or whatever is assigned to that sire. Then four is calf number four of the crop. Of so that. Of that sire's crop. So it could go into double digits. It could be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have, or triple you know, digits. Yeah. You know, 7B60, 7B30. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy yeah. because, you know, ties back into the automotive world like Vintags yeah. used That's to right. be like that. Yeah, you could literally look at a Vintag and be like, "Oh, this was made in Detroit. It was yeah, this right. color. It was that." Yeah, everything. The bottom of your Coke can will tell you which facility it got yeah. bottled out of. The the underneath the pop top has a number, yep. and that stands for you know what crew or something. Everything yep. is assigned that. So way. the thing is awesome. I guess is you could have a customer that bought something from you guys years ago, and if they do, they stand. Do they stick to those same Vin um, style? Sometimes a lot of. When they buy from us, we've already put different tags in them because they've actually been tattooed or branded. So we always can track that that cow carcass, yeah. you know, based on the tattoo and the and the and the brand. However, when we go through sale, you know, they're they are numbered lot one, lot two, lot three. So they actually get different tags put in come sale time. Well, then we might go to a farm and there's still a you know Takina tag number twenty three. We have to go back and figure out, okay, that was, you know, 7D16 and and always keep track of that, which goes back to, you know, good record keeping. Right. Dad is so much old school pen and paper and he knows these cattle back. I mean, he knows who bought yeah. who, you know, 10 years ago. But, you know, I've tried to come in and say, let's go a little bit more technology routed. Let's start using Excel sheets, Google Docs. Right. You know, that way... That way, everything is shareable and and not it, all of that institutional knowledge in his head. Everybody being, can see it is being transferred to to you know on yeah. to me and and whoever comes behind me, and and there's always a record that's not just on pen and paper. So I guess that kind of leads into the discussion that that we've had in the past with NFTs and actually having mm-hmm. uh, digitizing a physical asset. You know, and and for those that you listen to the podcast or have watched this, you kind of know the history of of you know the me and the crypto side, and Jared on his side going, "There's no utility. I don't get it. I don't understand why has this work." This is like a prime example because they're starting to look at digitizing these physical assets mm-hmm. with NFTs, mm-hmm. right? And I guess it could be done really in a multi, it could be done in a lot of ways. It doesn't have to be an NFT. It could be a, an RFID, like it, where they, right. you know, like the dogs, where they yeah. right. implant something and then you can just scan that animal at any mm-hmm. point in its life, no matter where it's at, and you're going to know exactly its lineage. So the goal would be from birth to table. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know that this Not is- Not just to slaughter. It's going to be- we would love for it to be to table, but well, that, we'll get, yeah. we're going to definitely get into the to processing side. Yeah. Okay. Because that's, and this may just catapult us into that. But the hardest time is for, and Megan can speak to this better than I can, for you to go to your local grocery store and buy an Angus steak. It doesn't have to be 100% Angus. It has to be what? Yeah. 50% black hide. <laughs> okay, say that again. It has to be, in order for it to be labeled 
Angus, certified, like certified Angus, Angus, Angus beef. beef. All it has to have is fifty percent black hide. Meaning, the, if you visi- if you visibly look at the animal, it has to be fifty percent of its hide. hide. It don't even have to be Angus. It just has it, to have black hide. It just has to be <laughs> black. Fifty percent of that hide has to be black for it to be considered certified Angus beef. And and really, you know, the Angus Association tried to to push that marketing, you know, early eighties, and that's really how it got. It got legs so early on was because everybody's like, oh, yeah, I want certified Angus beef. That's, you know, we're going to pay a higher premium for our steaks in our restaurant. Yeah. But there's no legitimately legitimate way to attract really if that cow genetic yeah. was or that, that beef genetic was Angus. So the awesome thing is, and I'm sure this is where you guys are going with this, is if there was a way for the public to then look to see what that steak, for instance, if there was a barcode on it. An NFT barcode. Scan it and look. You're in the, the grocery store, you can scan it. You could see where it came from. What vaccines it's had. If Was it grass-fed? Was yeah. it grain-fed? You could literally see a picture of it. If you wanted to. A lot yeah. of people don't want it. To, well, and I'm they just don't saying, want to know the name. I, I will tell you this. You talked to Kitu. Yeah. Because he you know, he, yeah. he talked about him being that's a right. steak guy, right? Yeah. He would he would probably geek out on that. that that's right. I want to see where it came from, what that's it was right. raised on, all this stuff. And then when you present that at your dinner, you're like, this came from this farm or X or whatever. And then now those farms that raise those are in a pecking order, right? That's the right. ones that actually do what they're supposed to be doing and raising good beef on the free range or whatever the thing is, right? Mm-hmm. And how it was treated and how it was shipped and all this stuff. Now that beef's going to bring bigger money. It's got a story attached to it. It's got a story attached to it versus the one that's raised in some feedlot out in somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Well, I think the industry is, is currently striving to go blockchain on this. Yeah. Uh, the last issue of Progressive Cattlemen, uh, the front cover was blockchain and cattle, question mark. Yeah. And so people, I, I've got a, a friend of mine, Jeff, in uh, Australia. And so he gets his uh, bulls from Holden, Jack Holden, and he gets his Angus cow uh, from Illinois, Musgraves. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, so how are you tracking all this over there? He's like, we're not there yet. Yeah. We're not at blockchain yet, but it, it is coming. You know what you know circle. what this makes me think about? And obviously it's gonna get us off topic just slightly, but where's the opportunity here? Like could we do could we create a no. cattle blockchain? <laughs> uh, we've talked we spent we've meetings spent after meetings, family meetings of how does this work, making phone calls, talking to universities. Everybody wants to be the first out there to make this happen. And there's a couple applications today that do this for a farm that has time to put in. But when you're in the day-to-day of being a real farm, it's not what you see in no, the No, no, that's, right? that's not even where I was going. Like, okay, for instance, I mean, obviously you are up to what's going on. But a lot of these mm-hmm. large farms, they're like your dad. They're, they're the pen and paper. They don't want to change. They want to do the same thing. But if there was a third party, that that's what they specialized in was bringing you up to date, mm-hmm. right? Name you know, blockchain cattle. That's what you're saying. You take three three guys, you go from farm to farm and yes. say, we're going to set all this up for you. We're going to train you and we're going to the next farm cost. That's right. Cost That's right. Well, we're, we're basically consulting, but we're going to come right. in. We're going to, we're going to make it up. plug and play. Yep. Ultimately, we look to our universities and our extension departments to do that, but they are not what they used to be and they don't, disseminate information as well as they used to, you know, coming out and driving out to the farms and working with the farmer on the day to day. Right. They don't do that anymore. Um, you know, we have extension programs here and I can't tell you the last time our extension agents been out to the largest Angus, uh, a cattle farm and, and row crop farm in, in, in years. Yeah. I can't tell you. Yeah. That's crazy. And we're 15 miles from Clemson university. Mm-hmm. Why, mean, why do you think that is? You think they they're focused on other things? I don't know. I don't want to bad mouth anybody. Yeah, yeah. On no, no, I, I feel you. You <laughs> know, I feel that personally, this is how I would think about it. And I have no idea. So just let me put that out there because I'm, this is like a, an idea that I have no clue about. But what I think is like, you know, used to Clemson University, this whole area in general was not what it is today. Mm-hmm. And so 20 years ago, Clemson University, you know, this was all farmland. Mm-hmm. Even Clemson, yeah, majority of Clemson University was farmland. And so it was easier for them to focus on that kind of stuff. That's Whereas right. nowadays, it's more about, okay, we still have this 
part of the university, but we're going to focus on research and whatever. Yeah. And it's not about in the community of, of the farmers and, and like, like it was in the past. There's so much more going on, I guess. It's like, okay, we have to narrow our focus. We can't do everything. That's right. Well, you hit the nail on the head when you said research and publications. Because yep. a lot of these extension agents and faculty, you know, animal science faculty, they are trying to get tenure and they want, they, they have to become published and they're, you know, I know what it takes to, to be published and that's sitting in, in an office and, yeah. you know, typing on a computer and figuring out what magazine and what, you know, uh, well, and you a want to, venue to disseminate your latest research is. Right. It has to be a, the next greatest discovery or mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. like them just reaching out to you is not going to necessarily get them. Their research and their data. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it is, it is difficult and it's it's disappointing sometimes that we've gotten here in society that agriculture and food systems is has been put on the back burner especially for our universities but um the good thing is is that you know producers are having to be the progressive ones now and go out and say hey is blocked is blockchain the next way that i'm able to you know market my cattle yeah so it's up it's to such the producers. A, the, thing, the, the great thing about blockchain, and, and it's funny because last night I went out to dinner with, with some friends of mine and um, was talking to a buddy who has, you know, no idea about, you know, blockchain and, and everything. We literally talked for an hour. You know, and the, one, the main thing I do when I talk to somebody about that is I'm like, okay, first thing you do is get the word coin out of your vocabulary because it ruins it for everybody. Everybody thinks of it as a currency, and it's not. It's a technology. That's right. This technology is going to take over because it has so much utility to it. Mm-hmm. It can track cattle. It can do. It could track packages. Mm-hmm. UPS could could get rid of all of their data stuff, and they could put it on the blockchain. They would never have to worry about it. You also have to like get out of your mind the whole mining thing, because people are like, I don't understand the coins in mining. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense, and it really doesn't. It's, it's like the wrong thing. You should think of it as. The utility itself would be the coin, and then the thing that processes that utility would be the miners, right? You need some kind of backbone to process this information, and that's the miners. They get you, You're paying them a percentage to basically make all these transactions for you, right? And then the utility, the coin part, is where you benefit from it. For instance, if you guys had an NFT attached to every piece of cattle you had, mm-hmm. when that piece of cattle was sold, when that cattle was sold to somebody else, you would then transfer that NFT to them. Mm-hmm. You would pay a small fee for that transaction. And the person who basically facilitated that transaction, the miner, would get that fee. When you, when you talk about it like that, it's like, oh, that makes sense. That's like everything else in the world, right? If you send a package, you're paying for so-and-so to send that package. So anyway, we had this hour-long conversation of me just unwinding what he thought of as, as coins and mining and whatever. So anyway, it, it's, it's going to be very interesting what happens over the next five years. I would love to like revisit this too, mm-hmm. to kind of see where you guys go. So Megan, tell, tell us where you are with the conversation of blockchain when it comes to processing. So, and I know we've talked about this. I think I called you what two two years ago or something, and and was like, Kyle, I need to understand how blockchain. What the hell is an NFT? Works <laughs> with cattle. Yes. And so, and now the way I the way I have it pictured in my head is, you know, a, a calf drops on the ground on September first, mm-hmm. and that calf identification description. Um, mother, sire, or damn sire, you know, lineage, pedigree goes all into the blockchain. Then when that calf is sold, goes either into the food chain, you know, let's call it either a feedlot or if it goes to a, a, a commercial cattleman to go into a herd's herd, again, yes, you transfer that just as you would a car title yeah, you know, or a boat title. Yep. And then that owner, hopefully, what we what we hope to do is we would all, you know, our ourselves, Takina, would input data such as, you know, how much it weighed, what was it being fed, how much did it weigh when when it was sold, um, any kind of diseases, any kind of issues, any kind of vaccinations right. that, that may have happened, um, and and put all that data in. Well, then that becomes trackable to the restaurant, the slaughter plant. Yeah to 
the producer from all the way true farm yeah. to table. I think the the huge advantage to it being digitized is that. So, for instance, let's think about it like this: Say you track all of your, say you had an Excel spreadsheet for every animal you had, and you log all the data and you do mm-hmm. everything right, and it's going to be perfect. The thing that sucks though is when you sell that animal to somebody else, you could technically send them that same Excel spreadsheet, but it doesn't mean they're going to use it. Versus like an NFT is that Excel spreadsheet. Every data entry goes on the blockchain for that animal. And they still may not use it. They won't have a choice, I think, at some point, because what's going to happen is when it gets to the processor, they're going to be like, okay, we need you to transfer this NFT to us. Or when it gets to the consumer, you know, what's going to happen at some point, and I don't know how long it's going to take, but in the grocery store, you're going to be able to see where the animal came from. The mm-hmm. grocery store is going to demand that they have that. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to get it from the processor who gets it from the person who sold it to them, who gets it from the person who, who birthed that. You know, it's like it's, they're going to, it's going to be demanded because they're going to say, hey, no, at the end of this, in order for us to sell this to the supermarket, they're going to want to know where this came from. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's not hippopotamus or right. giraffe, right? Yeah. And uh, the difference is, too, is like in Excel spreadsheet, even if you did transfer that to them, that doesn't mean they couldn't delete a couple of entries and then put yeah, in whatever right. they want. That's right. Yeah. On the blockchain, you can't do that. That's right. Well, and, and what we are striving to do right now is we've started the South Carolina Marketing, uh, Beef Marketing Cooperative, and we want to push for South Carolina raised beef. What, what are you? Sorry. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I, had to, I could tell you didn't have enough. You were getting pulled to one oh, side okay. there. Okay, sorry. There yeah, I was. I was called up, but I was. I was trying to make it do. Um, what we're trying to do is the South Carolina Beef Marketing Cooperative is um, we want to. We really want to uh, promote South Carolina raised beef, and with that comes a label, and that label is verified through blockchain. And through the cooperative members to say this cow, this calf, this bull was born in South Carolina on a farm that we know the data behind it. We know what vaccinations it had and we know where it was processed. Now, processing is a whole different issue because there's, you know, not enough of them and and not enough of the workforce to to uh, support that industry at the moment. But we're working on that as well. So then when somebody buys a South Carolina labeled beef product in the store it can it can be verified to say yep that came from Takina angus or that came from you know wherever so-and-so. yeah so yeah. do we want to talk about some of the i don't know i call it fuckery because there's fuckery in the industry as far as mm-hmm. i mean i don't know if you guys want to touch on that but like yeah we can let's uh let's take a short break and we'll get right into that stay tuned Let's face it, shopping for insurance can be time-consuming. When it comes to your auto and home insurance needs, make things simple and trust your Allstate experts. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your auto and home. Bundling saves money, sure, but it also saves you time. So, you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact Clemson Allstate agent Shane Smith at 864-654-1047 today for a free personalized insurance proposal. Allstate, are you in good hands? And we're back with Megan Ketterman talking to Keena Angus and cattle today and uh, learning a lot about the old school ways of farming, the hard work it puts in, and where we're going with farming in 2023. Not just farming, but cattle, row crop, and everything yeah. else. With NFTs, crypto, like how it's going to integrate at some point. Sure. We talked about it in the in the, in the break, and we're going to have to revisit this just yeah. to kind of like stay up to date on Okay, this when something changes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So there's there are reasons for it, and I don't think anybody's doing it yet, but it is on the forefront, right? People are having the conversations, they're having the meetings, they're trying to figure it out. But the technology is not already all there for them to utilize as well. But one of the reasons that you would do this would be so jump in here. Well, I, I think our biggest thing in order to to really make an impact is is purely verification. So let's go back to the Angus beef program and South Carolina raised beef. Yeah. So that's a premium, right? That's Somebody- a premium. We we know that this cow or this calf or, or whatever was raised on a South Carolina farm. It is the genetics that we're saying that it is. It is therefore higher quality and a higher premium, not only at the processor, 
but at the grocery store for the consumer. Because what I know about consumers is they want a good quality product. When I go, unfortunately, we are out of ground beef at the moment, and I've had to go to the grocery store. I know. Imagine that, a cattle farmer (laughs) out of ground beef. But I go to the grocery store, and I keep up with prices, and I look at ground beef, and, I mean, this stuff is, is, is packed full of fat, and yeah. it, you know, it's not a good quality product. You don't know if that was a Holstein cow or a, you know, a Brahmin bull. Yeah, you, you don't have know, no from clue. Brazil. That's what I'm saying. You don't know if it came from overseas. If it was so, raised on a feedlot, you don't know. Yeah. So I think for us, in order to capture the verification, to make sure that this calf was truly a local, a locally born product, because everybody loves local, we want to support local, and consumers have the ability and want the ability to buy local and know that it came from a farm just right down the road. And they're willing to pay for that because they're like, oh yeah, this is a better quality product than say a Holstein. A Holstein is, is not quality beef product. Right. It needs to be ground up. Yeah. And that's what burger is majority in the grocery store. See, I think there's going to be a huge market for this. You know, when I think of it, I think of like, um, I always go back to like bourbon cigars, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you know the lineage, do you know the story of whatever bourbon, whatever mm-hmm. it's been aged this long, it's been in a bar- this kind of barrel. It's mm-hmm. been, you will pay for that story. Mm-hmm. I think beef's the same way. The Anything. problem with beef though, like you're saying is nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. Know. Once, once that thing, once that carcass hits the processor, we don't know. There's yeah. no identification. There's no brand associated with it. You know, that that carcass is is chopped up into, you know, hundreds of pounds right. without genetically testing every single piece of meat that goes to the grocery store, which only adds dollars. Right. That that is not what where so we're So how are people getting around that? So the current laws aren't aren't stringent enough to yeah there's not i mean if you look at it you know our south carolina department of ag they only have so many men our usda only have so many men and i say men like workforce eyes on on the the process uh, eyes on the consumer eyes on on the producers so there is no way there's no laws right now that say okay you know if you're selling local beef you have to label it a certain way Unless it was if unless it was processed at a certain processor, like right. a USDA certified processor, or um, but I mean even even to the fact of somebody could say it's South Carolina raised Angus yeah, beef. Yeah, and they went to North Carolina, shipped in a bunch of calves, grew them out, and they're calling it you know South Carolina process it here, and then they and say it, it's and it's not you know they're buying them out of wherever truckloads, and they could be dairy calves. Yeah, and then they're labeling them as you know great quality beef. Right, and they're not. Yeah, they weren't raised to be great quality That's beef. That's right. Yeah. Uh, dairy cows are raised to be milk producers. Then they go into the hamburger food chain. That is that is the, the crux of it. But what happens is dairy calves are so cheap because nobody wants them. That's nobody right. can That's raise the, them. That's where the McRib comes from. I mean, right. <laughs> it, it, it's just the worst it, of the worst meats. <laughs> there is a market for them, but it's not in the beef program. And that's what people are trying to do is force dairy cattle into the beef program. And that that yeah. is not what they're for. So like a good, unchangeable, blockchain-style technology would, would go a long ways not necessarily for everybody because there's people out there that could care less. It works great for the South Carolina Beef Association, right? A smaller market, yeah. not not a federal market. The cooperative? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 I mean, back to bourbon. Like some people just go buy the cheapest whatever on the shelf. Yeah. They could care less if it's uh, it was like, a milk cow they, or they whatever. Like they just, they just like the ground beef, yep. right? But there's some people out there that want to know they have something that was raised where it said it was raised. That's right. No, no additional hormones. I mean, yeah. let's let's face it. Here's one of those. Was that GMO F- free? The efferies that we were going to talk mm-hmm. about. One of the efferies in the industry is people label it as no hormones. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to call crap because animals have hormones. Yeah, you don't label it as no hormones. You label it as no additional hormones. Right. No added hormones. Yeah. No like milk producing hormones. Right. Or- no steroids. I mean, yeah. that is one of those genetic fat or, or, or consumer industry fallacies of people buy things because it has a certain label. Oh, I don't want, I don't want to buy anything with hormones. It's an animal. It has hormones. Yeah. 
Well, and even like when it comes to good quality, a, a good quality steak should have great marbling in it, right? And that's, you can't, you can't inject them with, at least as far as I know, you can't inject them with something and create something that didn't happen through a lineage of years that was bred. Or breed, that's right. So if you want a great steak that has the proper marbling and has all the things that you want in a good steak, you can't produce that overnight. Now, someone could say it is what you would want, and I would would go back to like the, uh, what is the Wagyu? Mm -hmm. There's so much Wagyu stuff going out now, but... Is it really Wagyu? Well, that's right. How do you how do, how do you, you know? Verify Did it come from again, Japan? Verification. Do you, I mean, or was it a bull that came from Japan 10 years ago and he bred with a bunch of, you know, and now, oh, it's Wagyu. Yeah, we have a couple of Wagyu on the farm that Gwen does on a separate program. Not many, three or four, four or five. Well, yeah, she's got probably 10 or so. 10 now. Yeah. Um, still Wagyu, but they're 80, 20. Um, Is that right? No, they're a little less than that. But they, they look like Wagyu's. Yeah. I mean, they look like a, a wildebeest, you know, coming yeah, yeah. at you. They, they they don't look like a regular. They're horned. They they are. You know that it's not part of the Tequina Angus. You know it's not a Tequina <laughs> like, where are they growing out here now? That one of them are both. But, <laughs> but they, they are great meat quality. And so, I mean, she has tons of people reach out to her about the Wagyu beef that she has. And, and it is a great part of our meat processing program our, yeah. our customized freezer beef so it would be awesome is if she could show the lineage of that and be like yeah this came from here yeah like her know. akaushi you know bloodline yep, yep. Yeah, it's awesome she definitely does that man it's gonna be i'm it's it's gonna be awesome just to kind of see firsthand what happened because you know we talk about it all the time but we have we have Takini angus right here that's, that's doing right. it mm-hmm. they're we're gonna see this kind of evolve and roll through the changes hopefully on the blockchain at some point maybe yeah i just want to give a last plug for our 29th annual bull sale you know these cattle are bred born and bred to be raised on forage uh good quality forage uh for a commercial cattleman low input high output you know they're fertile our bulls have been bsc'd which means breeding breeding soundness exam we know that they are fertile. We know that they're going to breed. Our 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 uh, commercial heifers, our registered heifers, they are also going to be bred and pregnancy tested to make sure that they are with calf on sale day. Right. And so you're getting the you know two for one kind of. You're gonna you're gonna buy a pregnant heifer. She's gonna drop a calf, and then that's gonna be additional income for for that cattleman when they buy her. But um, you know this is a this is a lifestyle for us. You're. Anybody who says, oh, I want to get in the cattle business, okay, great. We were bred to do this. Yeah. You you face hard times. You face, you know, death. You face disease. You face, you know, all of the bad things that can happen on a cattle farm happen. Weather. Weather. Yeah, yeah. Just the weather alone yeah, yeah. is crazy. You know, frozen pipes, frozen cattle troughs, fro- yeah. you know, feeding in nine-inch deep mud and, muck, you know, walking through muck in the mud every single day to feed these animals to make sure that they are good quality product. However, what happens is that the second, the third, and the fourth middleman take out a lot of that, um, a lot of that pricing within the commodities. Right. And so the the consumer pays an extraordinary amount for good quality beef, but it's not ever passed down to the producer. And and we want to see that that gap closed. Closed. So now I guess. Two things. This happens on the 28th, so anybody that's interested 20, on it. 29th. 29th. Yep. 28th. 28th. Oh, I'm sorry. Happens Gosh, on the 28th. The 20- happens on the 28th, so yes. anybody that's interested can go watch this sale. They can. They, right. they can. We'll serve uh, the crowd, The entire crowd that shows up will serve chili at 1 o'clock and, or at, uh, noon, and the sale starts promptly at 12, 31 o'clock. But you can watch it online too, right? Yeah. You can. And even before the sale, if you're interested in seeing some of the best cattle this in the southeast, uh, when it comes to Angus cattle, you can visit www.takina.com and yeah. look at the videos yeah. um, today. So you can actually okay. go look at the videos of what you'd be bidding on. And then you can also, I'm sure the link is on the website, live auction, uh, dot, liveauctions.tv. Um, twelve thirty on January twenty eighth. You can watch the sale live from there. So let me ask you a question. And this is kind of not part of the sale itself, but say somebody locally is not in the cattle industry. They don't want to buy something to raise on their own farm, but they want to buy a good piece of cattle beef. Can you? Will you guys facilitate that? 
where they can come buy it from you. Yes. You finish it out. You process it. Well, now, no. Uh, what we do is we have a custom freezer beef program. So when a, uh, let's just call it a bull, a bull um, is not in the bull test and does not go through the, the sale, um, he'll go into our, our beef program. A family of four or six or, or two families of whatever can go in. When we get ready to process, we say that that bull goes to this family. They can custom cut it however they want. They can get however, you know, many pounds of ground get beef. Brisket they can get or their this brisket. or that. They yeah. can get their sirloin roast. They can not get roast. You can get cube steaks, stir strips, you know, your T-bones versus your fillets, etc. Tail, liver, heart, tongue, if you choose. Whatever you want, yeah. yeah. And then they go and pick that up from the processor. So we use several local-ish processors. Some are over in the Georgia area. But um, they go and, and actually get it from the processor. And then it's in their their freezer for, I mean, yeah. a, 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 a beef will last a family or two, you know, a year yeah. or more. How many pounds on. usually finished is a... So I, I try to be very careful because it's all depending on the hot hanging weight. So... You know, we don't know how much that carcass is going to hang at uh, until it's hanging. You know, we know a, a guesstimate because they're going to take out, you know, all the um, off all the, right. the everything mm-hmm. out of it, and um, and let's just say it's a nine hundred pound or twelve hundred pound bull. Um, you can pretty much guess that's a six hundred pound carcass. Okay. Then um, after that, after it's bones taken out, some of the fat, you know, everything else is taken off. Trimmings, trimmings, yeah. and you know, you might get home with, uh, you know, 400 pounds of actual beef. Okay. Yeah. And they can do that through you guys. Yeah, I, absolutely. It, it's 425 it's, hot hanging weight. It's tough because we started this program a few years ago and all most of 99% of those customers are repeat customers they order every year. So, so you don't have enough. That's right. The yeah. processing slots. Yeah. We, we have used a to list. advertise <laughs> and now we, we don't even advertise. We fill our current customers first. And if we have any openings, Word of mouth usually gotcha. chills those up. Mm-hmm. Kutu, question Kutu if do. you're listening, you need to get on that waiting list. Yeah. <laughs> he says he's a beef. He says he's, he's a steak guy. He, he did say he's a steak guy. You can't, right here. I hometown. wish we'd have been able to have the taste testing. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're, I, we'll I still do, we'll that. do it. Yeah. We can still do that. Like but, a piece of, you know, uh, grocery store beef and then a Wagyu and then a good Angus. Yeah, there yeah. might be enough money in our account, you know, from all of our sponsors, sponsors, sponsors to do that. Uh, I want to thank. Kyle, today, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're seeing for the first time our awesome backdrop of the South CAC Syndicate logo on the wall lit up. Yeah. Boom, baby. Kyle made that in the shop just for us, so appreciate that. And uh, Megan, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy week. Well, and thank you. popping by the studio with us this I afternoon. Love, I love being here with you guys. I'm well, normally in the background cra- listening. What's but. crazy is we're going to do another one, and we're going to talk all Airbnbs. No, we're going to do yeah, another yeah. one. We're going to talk all agriculture, uh, I would, agricultural education. I would really love to do this talk, though. Just like you, revisit the you're tuna. You're kind of hot on this one, I am, man. I love it. I just love, I think because it's one of those subjects that's like so unknown to most people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everybody eats beef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody eats steak. I don't everybody. know where it came from. Not everybody, but. So we'll, let's do a test run here. And, you know, we started our own cattle company called Mud Creek with a K. Yep. Um, so let's take some of those head. And, and let's uh, do yeah. a test run. So I've, I'm pushing them. So when he says we, that's not me. That's, <laughs> no, that's these two. Right. These that's two right. have their own. Jared and Megan. Yeah, they have their own cattle coming. But we will let you jump in on the third if you'd like. But I'm, but I'm, I'm like pushing them to like really push this digitization of these cattle. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to kind of revisit this, kind of look at it. I love the whole industry. I want to kind of see where it goes. You know, we'll have you back next time. We'll do steaks. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it, Megan. Thank you, Kyle. Awesome. Thank you. Talk to you soon.